Awesome. All right. Well, I am going to plow through this. I feel like we have a, I have a word from the Lord for you guys today, but I want you to do me a huge favor and put on your spiritual seatbelt because we're going to move pretty quick so we get out of here in a decent time, um, but we're also going to get some downloads from heaven. I want to talk this morning about an attribute of the Holy Spirit, not a gift, not a fruit. This is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. An attribute of the Holy Spirit, it, it shows us the nature, reveals the character of God to our lives, okay? His, his attributes, the Holy Spirit, should draw us more towards the Lord, okay? All right, so um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Isaiah chapter 11. Um, another thing I will say about this, I don't think this topic gets covered very often in the church. I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, and, and it's kind of twofold. One of them is we tend to avoid topics we don't understand, which can be good because then you kind of like come up with your own weird stuff and that can get funky, like really weird. But, um, but we shouldn't shy away from the Lord's nature, from who he is. We need to talk about it. We need to explore it. We can't shy away from it. And then the second reason is actually I believe that the devil, the enemy of our soul, understands just how powerful of a people, of a bride, we will become when we fully understand what this particular attribute is that we're going to talk about today. So it's kind of a twofold thing. Um, okay, I hope you found Isaiah chapter 11. But first, as, before we read that, I want to talk about, um, I, I want to introduce you to Revelation chapter 4 and what is going on in the throne room. There's something we need to pick up here. It will typically read right over it, and it can confuse us um, if we don't slow it down and figure out what is being said here. So let's read this real quick. It's Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. It says, John is seeing what's going on in the throne room of heaven. It says, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Do you guys kind of go, hmm, with that? I thought it was one Holy Spirit. It is one Holy Spirit. It's one God, one Father, Father, God, Okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is round two, guys. I'm sorry. Hang with me. Okay, one Holy Spirit with seven attributes. Seven is that perfect whole number that completes who the Spirit of God is. So what are these attributes? We'll go to Isaiah chapter 11, and we're going to look at them. Here we go. Beginning in verse 1, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah. He's talking about him. Here we go. We're going to see these seven attributes. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Number one is the spirit of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lord, and he is the king of kings. He's the only one who gets that position now, this is wild here. The Holy Spirit confirms who Jesus Christ is supposed to be. Did you know at the time of salvation, when you say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, it, uh, the Bible says that we, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, good, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then what's the promise? That we will be 
saved. There it is. We have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And it is actually the working of the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and into our spirits and making this revelation possible and our need for our Father God, our need for Jesus Christ, that we can have relationship back with the Father through the blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ And we can say he is Lord. That's actually a working of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus Christ came, he walked in the spirit of Lord. That was his title. So that's the first one. Let's go to number two. Let's keep reading. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Those are your seven attributes of the Holy Spirit, and they were fully on Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading in verse 3, the very beginning. This is Jesus. And Jesus, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The attribute I want to talk about today is the fear of the Lord. I'm going to say a pretty bold statement here, but I think it's kind of true. I think everything we ask for in life, everything that we need in life, whether it's wisdom, counsel, healing, peace, joy, love, I believe all of those things actually fall under the umbrella of the fear of the Lord. I really do. I think we need to acknowledge the fear of the Lord as we come to him with these requests. And Jesus delighted it, delighted in the fear of the Lord. Think about this for a second. Jesus Christ comes to the world, to the earth, and when he is coming to the end of his mission, coming to the end of his life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he is bleeding. The Bible tells us he is sweating tears. And he is petitioning with the Father. He said, oh God, if you will take this cup from me, I would really appreciate it. I don't know that I really want to do what you're asking me to do. And then he said, but not my will be done, but yours be done. He was willing to lay down his life because he knew it would change the course of humanity. It was the only way to the Father. And he did this with delight in the fear of the Lord. That's how Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord and many other ways. All right, so what is the fear of the Lord? Let's get a little definition here. The fear... The fear, we're going to break the phrase up, okay? Fear means to fear, to be afraid, to be in awe, and to revere. That's what that means. It's pretty simple. Actually, what we did during worship, when you're exalting the name of the Lord, and you're standing in awe of him, and you're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, when we're revering him in his majesty and his brilliance, that is the fear of the Lord. That is the fear of him. We're revering him. And the Lord, of the Lord, means Jehovah. It means I am. I am. God revealed himself, I am, in the Old Testament. And Jesus spoke of himself, I am. And when he said it, people trembled. (laughs) This is the I am, the existing one. 
I love that name for God, the existing one. Adam mentioned it during the ministry time. The one who has absolutely no beginning and no end. He exists. We could have read this 5,000 years ago, this one verse, and we could have said, oh, it's the existing one. The fear of the Lord, the one who exists now. And in 2023, we can say the fear of the Lord, the one who is still currently existing. He is existing for all time and outside of time. And that, that, it doesn't confuse us. It blows our minds. It's fascinating. It's brilliant. And guess what it is? It's the fear of the Lord. It's revering his awesomeness. It's where we step back and say, Oh, God, you are worthy. You are holy. You are wonderful and magnificent. When we acknowledge our need for the fear of the Lord, when we want to delight in the fear of the Lord, it is never a pulling back. It will never. Think about that. It will never. When we, when we sing songs and praise and worship, do we ever feel like, oh, I need to pull back? No, we want to press in. It's always a drawing into his presence. That's what his fear does with us. It calls us deeper and higher and says, come on in. I want to show you a little bit more about who I am, about how much I love you. That's what the fear of the Lord does in our lives. I want to tell you a story. I want to preface this. I didn't preface it in the, in the first service, but I need to do this because this is my story. We all have a story. We all have different calls. We all have unique um, things that the Lord does and the way he, he works in us. And so please listen to this story, but know that if the Lord is not moving on you the same way he moves on me, you're not lesser. There's no like, oh, shoot, I really want that. No, no, he moves in you in powerful ways. And you need to acknowledge that and thank him for it. This is the fear of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord moving on you. In 2005, the Lord marked me two in two ways in about a nine-month span. The first one is he marked my identity through repentance. I had come out of a really horrible season. I've already shared that from the the pulpit. Um, I was unfaithful to my husband, and all that came out. I fully repented for it, and the Lord met me in this moment. And years and years and years of of promiscuity and grossness (laughs) in all that area, the Lord met me, and he met me by saying one thing to me, and he said, enough, she's mine. And he did that to me. He marked my heart, and the demons in hell heard it. I, I had a full vision of it, and it changed my identity. And I can tell you here today that I belong. I am marked by the Lord Jesus Christ. I bear his name. I love that song. I bear his name. It's my identity. But about six months later, something else happened. And this, when he marked me here, he marked my purpose And I will tell you, I did not understand it, and I still kind of don't, but I'm beginning to start to see some of these these pieces and parts. I was at a church service at Res. My husband and I were not on staff at the time. Um, There was a revival going on in Florida. I don't remember the name of it, but some of you may remember that. And um, the church had sent several people down there. And they were getting imparted to through this revival. That just means people were laying hands on them. The Holy Spirit was filling them up with whatever was going on in Florida. And then they were bringing it back. And they were laying hands on anyone who wanted it and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, And so I, uh, I had grown up seeing... Um, basically the charismatic world and kind of that whole thing. And I thought the whole shaking thing and falling down, I was like, 
that's a bit much, don't you think? Like, come on, hold it together, stand up, just hold it. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have, it doesn't have to be theatric. It doesn't have to be emotional. <sighs> when you come in to the presence of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, your mind, your spirit, and your body will all engage. I know people who weep and weep and weep for the lost. I know people who laugh. They get this baptism of joy, and they just laugh and laugh, and you're like, you are so disruptive, and then you don't because you're like, they are just having time with the Lord. It's how he just pours himself out on, the, on them. Um, so this particular day, it was a Sunday. I was all by myself. My husband, I think, was running cameras or something in media. I was off to the side in a safe place from the stage. And so um, Pastor John Stalker, the pastor at the time, had called up this group of people, had them line the front of the, the um, stage, and he said to the congregation, hey, anyone who wants this, come on up and have people lay their hands on you, and you can get this impartation from Florida or whatever. And I was like, I was in just such a hungry place. I had just come out of horrible sin, and the Lord had identified me, and me and my husband, our marriage was like rocking. I mean, there was so much healing, so much taking place between us. It was an awesome time in life. And I was like, I want it all. I want everything the Lord has for me. But I saw some people up here, and they were already like doing this, like getting ready, like pumping, prepping themselves up to pray or something, and then they started going like this, and I'm like, I don't want that. I'm going to look for the most normal person to pray for me, okay? Right? So I'm over on the side, and I happened to look, and just right to my right was this sweet lady, and she was just like, oh, you know, just kind of praying, and, and I'm like, yep, that's the one. She looks safe. So I get up, I get up out of my seat, and I walk to the end of the, the rows of chairs. And right when I get to the end of the chairs, she's about six feet away from me. We lock eyes, and I just go down in the spirit. I went straight down, and I begin to shake and shake and shake everything. I was like, I will never do that, Lord. You will never do that to me. And shake and shake. In fact, this is what I said, because I, I was just so naive. I didn't understand what was going on. I'm sitting there shaking on the ground, and I'm like, Jesus, make it stop. Jesus, make it stop. Because I know if you call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. That's his word, right? And it didn't. And I just felt electricity from the top of my head go down to the bottom of my feet and back up. And it would not stop. And I just laid there. Listen, the fear of the Lord does not care about your feelings. And it does not care about your dignity. That is so true, guys. It's very, very true. When you will give in to him, when you fully desire him and you want him and you're like, God, you can use me any way you want to, he will gladly take you up on that offer because he is, he is killing pride in you and, and he is, yeah, just really working in you. So I just laid there shaking and I, by this time I was aware of what was going on around me, but it was so wild. By this time, some people had come around me and they were praying over me. And I just laid there and shook, and I don't know how long this went on. And then the Lord said one thing to me. And he said, this is a taste of what's to come. And then it all left. All the shaking, the electricity, the fire, the whatever, it left. And I just laid there like a, with a, like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, what? 
does that mean? Like, I don't want to walk around and just shake all the time. But in that moment, I could not deny his power. I could not deny his sovereignty. This is the fear of the Lord. And I laid there until I was able to get up. I went home, and I I processed all week long. I talked to Adam. I'm like, this is what happened. He's all, man, that's weird. You know, and I'm like, I agree with you. It's so different. The next weekend, I went to church, and Pastor John, my mother-in-law, sat with me. We were in the same place. Pastor John got up, and he said, okay, if if you want to get imparted to, maybe you missed out on last week, or maybe you want it again, I'm doing it this time. And I was like, well, I want impartation from Pastor John. And then I'm like, wait do I? You know, like, like I want it. I don't want it. I do want it. I don't want it. You know, but I was like, I'm going up there. I am going up. My mother-in-law stayed back, went up and I, I just stood in line and he just went around and he just laid hands on everyone. And he came by me and I had my eyes closed and my hands out just to receive. And he touched my forehead and down again we go. And I shook and I, I don't remember it being as intense. Maybe it's because I, I, I felt him the first time, and so it's like once you kind of feel him move in your life, you kind of know how to move with it. You're like, oh, you're present, Lord. Your presence is here. I feel you. I feel the fear of the Lord. I'm going to revere you. I'm going to humble myself to what you want to do in this moment. You know, you kind of get a little more familiar with that. So I went down, and he didn't say anything to me this time, and after a while, when it had lifted, I went and I sat by my mother-in-law, and I was like, man, that was awesome. And she's all, uh, Leslie? And I'm like, I know. When Pastor John came by me, and she stopped me, and she said, Leslie, Pastor John never made it to you. He was four or five people down. You just went right down, and, and we were doing catchers at the time. We had catchers, so they would gently catch you and lower your body. There was no catcher. Yeah, they were called catchers. There was, <laughs> the teens are like, yeah, they're catchers. Um, and, uh, and nobody caught me. She's like, do you have like a concussion? I'm like, maybe it's like a Holy Spirit concussion. I don't know. But, um, but the point was that in that season, in that time, for whatever reason, the Lord poured himself out on me. When I walk in true reverence and fear of the Lord, he comes upon me in really weird ways. And he does not care. He does not care if it, in fact, I think he loves to undignify us and to humble us. And now I yield. When I feel him coming on me, I don't care what people think. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to let him do what he needs to do. I'm only going to say what he wants to say, and he'll take care of the rest, and he'll impart to you as he sees fit. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. We need to be a people who delight in the fear of the Lord. We need to think about it more. It needs to become part of our prayer life. Lord, I need wisdom today for this situation. I need the fear of the Lord. Oh, how I long for it, how I delight in it. We're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about what a life will produce or what the fear of the Lord will produce in an individual's life. We'll roll through these pretty quickly, and we're going to use a lot of scripture, praise God, because we need it. The first one is repentance. The fear of the Lord will produce repentance in your life. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. When we truly fear the Lord, 
We hate evil. We hate what he hates. We hate it. There's no tolerance. God is holy. Do you know why he hates evil so much? Because evil is what, or, or hates sin so much? Sin is what puts a wedge between him and his beloved creation, which is you. He hates it. He hates it. But guess what? He loves something way more, and that is you. He loves you, and he does not want that sin attached to you in any way. And sin brought under the fear of the Lord, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a stronghold. It doesn't have a hold on you. If you're struggling in this room with, with any kind of a sin, with something that you're like, God, I, I just can't break free from this. I've, I've tried all these things. I want you to do something. I want to, you to, number one, acknowledge it as sin. If you don't acknowledge it as sin, you're still kind of balancing and like, maybe it's still okay. No, call it for what it is. It's sin. And then bring it under the fear of the Lord and ask the Lord this. Say, God, in your great mercy, in your great compassion and love for me, will you help me to love this, I'm, I'm sorry, to hate this sin the way you hate it. Give me your heart for it. He will free you. I am telling you, he will set you free. I believe that. And a way a, a believer, a way a Christian um, kind of knows you're maturing in this area a little bit is that we start ca- taking the thoughts captive in our minds before they ever take root. That's how you know you're doing a good job under the fear of the Lord. Okay, we should be changing every season of our life, looking a little more like Jesus, changing from glory to glory. If you're in, if you're in uh, you know, the same sins of the past from 20, 30 years ago, again, you need to do what I just told you to do. But a way you can say, how am I doing, Lord? How am I doing with this? Is to say, thank you, God. Thank you for revealing sin to me that I don't even want it. It's a, put a distaste in my, ma- in my mouth for it and my body. I don't even want it. Because he loves you and he wants to set you free. All right, second thing. The fear of the Lord will produce intimacy. Psalm 24, verse 14, 25, 25. Verse 14 says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. He confides in those who fear him. That means he tells you secrets like a really close friend, like a really close spouse that you are so intimate with. You tell him only those things or her only those things. That is what the Lord does for you. He tells you what he thinks about you. He releases identity to you. He tells you about his plans and purposes over your life. He tells you about your children. This is what takes place for those who are under the fear of the Lord. He confides. This does not seem like a scary God to me. This seems like a God that's like, come here. I want to be the closest I can to you. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will produce obedience. Obedience. Abraham, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, when Abraham is about to sacrifice his son because the Lord asked him to, 
Genesis 22:12 says this. He said, "Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me." That's full obedience, man. That's a tough story to swallow. And it's not a mean God that does that. He was not cruel in what he did. Abraham feared him. He feared him. He loved him. He said, God, I'll give you everything because if you take him, if he dies, I know that you've given me a promise that I'm going to be a father of nations. I'm going to have so many kids, so that means you're going to resurrect this young man. When we know the Lord that intimately, we will understand when he asks us to do something, we don't have to have fear in it. When he asks us to surrender it, there's something better. There's multiplication. There's fruit. All right, Ecclesiastes 12. I love this one. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Ecclesiastes is a tough book to read sometimes. I'm like, oh, man, it's Ecclesiastes time. Solomon, the wisest man, is is so funny. He's just kind of like meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Man works so hard, they toil under the sun, and then they just die. It's all meaningless, right? You just kind of are like, oh, where's the encouragement in this? And there is. Read it. Just read it. Let the Holy Spirit work in it. Read it with Jesus. Read it with the Holy Spirit. But he comes to the last chapter, and he has this profound conclusion. It says this, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of mankind. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Know his word, like Adam said. Be in his word. You guys, the promises, the favor, the blessing that is associated with the men and women who fear the Lord are numerous in here. Go home, get, get out your computer, get out your iPad, whatever, your phone, and all you have to do in your search engine scriptures on the fear of the Lord. Get your Bible out and start marking it up. I'm claiming that one, Lord. I'm claiming that one. But you got to fear the Lord. You've got to fear the Lord. And the blessings are for here. The blessings are for this day and age during your lifetime, but they don't stop here. They go into eternity. You get crowns because you were obedient. You get crowns because you were humble. You get crowns because you were surrendered. You get crowns because you feared the Lord. And guess what we get to do in eternity? Cast those crowns before our Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's not meaningless. That's not meaningless at all. The fear of the Lord will produce repentance, intimacy, obedience, Number four, it's kind of two different, but humility and surrender. Humility and surrender. I want you to consider the prophets. You can really consider just about any man or woman in the word, but consider the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. The Lord asked them to do bizarro things. Bizarro things. It was to try to wake up the nation of Israel and to draw them to repentance because they left the fear of the Lord. That's why they all did what they did. Um, Isaiah walked around naked for three years. Three years. Isaiah 20, if you want to read the story. I want you to just think about that. If that was happening right now, we would be calling the authorities. 
indecent exposure. Right? This is what God asked his prophet to do. Ezekiel would cut his hair and divide it into three portions and throw some to the wind and burn some of it. And you're just like, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? One of them, it might have been Isaiah, I can't remember which one, had to just lie on his side for a whole year. Just lie on his side. And you're like, God, you're, you're weird. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? He's looking for someone who will be fully surrendered and fully humble. And will do anything he asks. And it, is, it was for the nation of Israel to come to repentance. It was so that they would know, you have lost your first love, which we were talking about. I am the Lord your God. Do not have any other idols. These other nations are, are leading you astray. Humble yourselves and come back to me. And these men lost their lives for this. Will you do what that Lord asks you to do? Will you humble yourself? Will you allow him to reveal himself the way he wants to reveal himself to you? Will you shake on the ground if everyone looks at you and is like, you are weird? Will you lose your dignity like David did when he stripped down because he had a revelation that the Lord, God Almighty, his presence was coming back into Jerusalem while his wife sat in the top of the tower, castle, whatever, and judged him. Will you do it? Will you surrender everything, whatever he asks you, for the fear of the Lord? I'm telling you, it's not worth it to sacrifice the fear of the Lord. Sacrifice your thoughts. Sacrifice your opinions. Sacrifice your judgments. Lay it on the altar and get the Lord's opinions, judgments, Let him be the one who gives you that. Can't trust yourself. Okay, let's keep going. The fear of the Lord will produce freedom from the fear of man. How many of us need that? We just kind of talked about it. Freedom from the fear of man. Joy Dawson, she is a woman. She passed away last summer. A very strong, powerful woman, especially in the YWAM world. She says this. She said, the fear of man is being more impressed with man's reaction to our actions than with God's reaction. That is bondage. You're in bondage when you care more about what your spouse thinks than God, than what God thinks. I'm I'm using a spouse because that's about as intimate as you can get, but it's anyone. When we have the fear of God upon us, we are impressed only with God's reaction. We are freed from the concern of what people think. That's freedom. That's freedom. Luke 12, 4 through 7, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more of more value than many sparrows. That's Jesus speaking. And that is kind of the beginning of that is kind of one of those like, oh my gosh, that does kind of, you, you feel the weight of that. 
God is the one who is judge. And yes, if you're in this room and you know his son, Jesus Christ, you are spending eternity with him. And guys, there, it is true that there are people that will deny him and are denying him and will spend eternity separated from him in hell. And that should trigger us to get out there and to preach the gospel. Thank you, Becky. I don't know where she is, but come on. There are people going to hell every day. That is something that should make us say, oh God, we need to delight in the fear of the Lord and go tell the people the truth. Tell them the truth. We're living in the last days. I don't know how close we are to the last, last day, but we are getting closer. We have to be a people who live and delight under the fear of the Lord and are not ashamed of him, are willing to do anything he asks us to do, and will speak truth. Okay, last one. The fear of the Lord will produce peace and strength. The first five that we looked at, those were really um, for the individual. (laughs) For the individual. This one is for a community. I want you to hear this. This is Acts 9 9, verse 31. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. Do you hear that? They lived in the fear of the Lord, and within the fear of the Lord, they were strengthened and encouraged. The New Testament church, when they were first birthed, they would go out, they would kind of get messed up a little bit, a lot of persecution and stuff. They'd regather, the Holy Spirit would come over, strengthen them, encourage them, because they lived constantly under the fear of the Lord. And then they'd go out again and suffer some persecution, and then they'd regather again. But guess what the result is? The result, when we fear the Lord, when we are obedient, and when we do what he says, the natural result and order is that there is an increase in number. You're like, I don't want to grow. I don't want to get bigger. I'm not saying we go after that, but I am saying that God wants to increase his family. He is not satisfied that there are still people that are not being saved. He is not satisfied with that. We should not be satisfied either. As we live under the fear of the Lord, as we are strengthened and there is peace. When we tell the world about Jesus, we should be expecting numbers to come, people to come. I'm going to wrap it up with this. As they come, City Lights Church, as they come, we need to be ready to disciple them. It's not good enough to give an invitation to meet Jesus and then let them go. They don't know what to do. They need to be discipled. They need to be discipled. And that is why we, we do encourage city groups. And as they come, we need men and women that will notice, oh, hey, you're new. Hey, let's go get coffee. Hey, tell me about your story. Tell me about your life. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about what a delight it is to live in the fear of the Lord. We have to be ready for that. Why don't you guys all stand to your feet? I want to ask you a question. What if we, all together, in this room, we're kind of uniting with first service too. What if we all unite around Jesus Christ? We love him but the one who delighted in the fear of the Lord. 
And what if our prayer and our focus and our unity was to say, Lord, we want to delight under the fear of who you are. We want to be our breath taken away every time we think about you. We want to see you move in power in our own lives and the people around us. How powerful of a bride would we become? How powerful of a church so united around the name of Jesus that says we will not ever take anything less than fearing the Lord, than standing in awe of him, than worshiping him, than praising him, than reverencing him. No matter what season we find ourselves in, and it can be tough, And when you're in that season, you pull back and you're like, oh, the one who created the galaxies, who created the depths of the oceans, things that I will never see with my own eyes. This is the one I will stand in awe of. This is the one who I will fear. What if we purpose in our hearts to fear him? If you're a city group leader, if you're a student leader, if you're a leader anywhere in this building, you begin to pray over those that you lead and say, God, that we would fear your holy name. I just want you to begin to open your mouth and just say, Lord, pour out your fear on us. Pour out your favor upon us, Lord. We want to draw further into your presence, Lord. We want to know you for who you are, God. We want to know you on this side of heaven, the closest we can, God. We do know that on this side of heaven, we see you only with a veil. But, Lord, there's coming a day where that veil will be removed and we will see you for who you are. Lord, humble every person in this room that desires you. Just tell him you want him. Tell him you want him if that's you in this room. God, I ask that you would bring full humility. You would squash pride and sin in this place, Lord. That you would show them what it's like to live a surrendered life. That you would give them boldness and courage every day of their life to live for you. To do everything you call and ask them to do, God. Jesus, we love you in this place. We glorify you. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen.